Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. In uh, today's episode, we have Vince Varallo from uh, Boston in the USA. Vince is a very accomplished runner. He last year ran a sub-3 marathon. He is also an author who has published a much acclaimed book called The Boston Buddies, which is based on the Boston Marathon 2018. Uh, he is also the founder and administrator of a very, very popular uh, Facebook group called the Boston Buddies Group, which in my view is probably the best running group, at least on Facebook in the world. And it's fantastic. So lovely to have you, Vince, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Raj. That was quite a nice introduction. <laughs> All very well deserved, Vince. All very well deserved. So why don't we start with uh, you giving the listeners a quick overview of uh, your journey as an athlete, as a runner? Were you an athlete in school, college, all of that? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I probably don't have the normal journey that most uh, athletes have. I actually was not really an athlete in um, grade school or high school. I didn't play any sports in college at all. Um, the one sport that I did play in high school was golf. <laughs> I was on the golf team. But I, 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 I never knew that uh, there was golf in high, high school, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. Uh, I, I still play today. So it's a, it's one of those sports where you can you can do it for the rest of your life. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's very different than running. But um, yeah, I, my journey to the running world actually um, started late in life. I didn't start running until I was... 37 years old and um as as a lot of runners have have, as i've found a lot of runners actually found their journey to um running through something that was going on in their life that uh you know made them need to pass some time or or cope with something that was going on so i i was going through a divorce and i started i started running and that was just a way for me to cope with what was going on it's a way to get out of the house it was a way to just like mentally you know, escape what, what the reality of the world was at that time. But, um, you know, like a, a lot of people in the group, the Boston Buddies group, a lot of them had the same similar situations where they've had some sort of event, whether it was a divorce or whether it was, um, you know, the loss of a job or whether it was just some, you know, a lot of people had um, family members or themselves had cancer or some other type of disease and they they turned to running as some sort of solace for them. Uh, we see a lot of that going on right now in the pandemic. Uh, seeing a lot of new runners out there trying to pass yeah, the time. Yeah, it's quite therapeutic, state. right? It's quite therapeutic, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I started, like I said, it was it was about 10 and a half years ago and um, said I just was trying to run just to run and never ever thought I would run a marathon. I remember thinking, when I was in my 20s, people that run their mar- run a marathon must be crazy. Why would why would anybody want to run 26 miles when you can drive? <laughs> but um, it was it was kind of Boston. The Boston Marathon is really what made me want to start doing marathons. I had a, a coworker who ran it one year, and he he knew that I was starting to run and I was trying to to uh, get into the sport. And he was like, "Oh, if you're going to run, he's like, you got to go. You got to do Boston. He's like, you gotta you gotta make it." like a goal to get there one day. <clears throat> and um, so he ran it. He came back. He was all pumped up. And I was like, I got to do it. I was like, he, he, he made it. He sold it to me. He made it sound so great. But then obviously you have to qualify. So it was, it's a little harder to get into that one than most marathons because you got to run another marathon in a certain amount of time. 
before you can actually uh, run it, unless you want to do the charity route. Um, but I, I decided to just put my head down and try it. And, and uh, my first marathon, I had no coach. I had, I really didn't even have a plan. I just was running. I would go to the gym and I would run. I would try to run eight miles in an hour. That really was all I would do. I would try and do that about five times a week. And um, I got really, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't a student of it. I was just trying to get out there and enjoy it. And my goal was to just, you know, qualify for Boston, which I needed a 315 at the time. I remember I, I would try and run longer on the weekends and it would go miserably. Like 12 miles seemed like it would take forever. I think the longest I ran was 16 before I ran my first marathon. Um, but believe it or not, that first marathon, I ran a, a 314.27, which was 33 wow, that's, seconds. that's very impressive, yeah. 33 seconds. I was able to qualify for Boston by 33 seconds. So um, I accomplished my goal. Um, again, I wouldn't say that was the recommended route. I would recommend following a plan. There's a lot more, there's a lot more information online, a lot more resources for you these days, uh, than I had 10 years ago. So which but, year was this wins, uh, when you qualified for the first Boston? I qualified in 2010 and then I okay. ran Boston 2011. Okay. 2011 was the year. It was the perfect year where, um, they, they set the course record. It was two, 203. Ryan Hall ran a 204, first American to go sub 205 in the marathon. Um, but that was also the year that they, they broke the system when registration happened. Luckily, I work in an office job and I was able to, to register because that was the year that they changed the registration process. They made the, the uh, standards a little more stringent and uh, that it's, it's the same system that they have today where basically you have to qualify and then you can get cut off depending on if you beat the qualifying standard by enough. So just qualifying anymore isn't enough. Now you have to qualify and beat everybody else to qualify it as well. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, feeling because I first qualified in 2018, but got cut off in 2019 and then got accepted for 2020, which uh, obviously now has changed to a virtual marathon. So, uh, yeah, it's been a it's been quite a journey. Are you going to be doing the virtual marathon? Yes, I am. Uh, so most likely on Sunday, the 13th is what a few of us. So a few of us who are planning to run that have. Uh, agreed to do it on the Sunday. We are just trying to coordinate the log uh, logistics now. So that's great. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We'll be doing it the same day as you. I'm running on the 13th. Yeah. We're going to travel yeah. up up to Boston. We're not running the course, but we're going to be of doing. Of course a, not. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. No. 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 We're not running the course. They're asking people not to run the course, but we're going up. There's a few of us, like 10. We're going to be running about 10 miles outside the city on a 5k loop, and just running around that a little lake. So that way we have support. We can, you know, put water there and Gatorade and and, and fueling for the run. Uh, but yeah, it'll be a good time. I mean, it's still it's still the Boston Marathon. I know it's not the same as you know being there and in person, but it's still the Boston Marathon. We can say we were part of history. No, and not just that. And let's all hope that this is probably the only time uh, it has to be virtual, right? And then in which case yeah. this becomes the in years to come the probably the most coveted Boston medal. <laughs> the only virtual <laughs> medal that there is, right? So right. Uh, fingers, yeah. So yep. fingers. So, so so from from there, uh, like you you ran that in 2010, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, as I said in the intro, you ran a sub three in 2019, correct? That's correct. So what was that journey like? I mean, especially for people who are just getting started, it looks like an awfully long time 
to shave off uh, a little less than 15 minutes, right? Or maybe around 15 minutes. So can you please take us through that journey? I mean, what are the changes you made? What were some of the disappointments or setbacks you had along the way? Uh, it'll be really sure. fascinating to know that. Sure, sure, sure. So yeah, when I once I qualified for Boston, that kind of was my goal when I ran Boston. Then my next goal really was try and break three. You know, well, it's only... 15 minutes. How hard could it be to shave off 15 minutes from a marathon, right? <laughs> so um, I actually started following Hal Higdon's plans. Hal Higdon's a, a coach and a runner himself. Um, he actually offers a lot of um, training plans online for free, or you can buy his book. He also has a, a an app that you can buy, and he'll actually give you advice and, and coach you as well. Um, but I started following his plans just because, um, you know, in life, I... I I, uh, I have two, I had, or at the time I had three daughters or two daughters. Um, so I needed, uh, a plan that wasn't going to be high mileage. I really, I only run like 40, 50 miles a week at my peak. So Hal Higdon's plans were not high mileage plans. So that fit my schedule with everything else that was going on in my world. So it was around 2013, I think it was 2012, 2013 was when I got my closest to running a sub three. I ran the Myrtle Beach Marathon. And that was another one where it was it's a perfectly flat marathon. I got real lucky. It was a perfect day. And I started out great. And you know, I was hitting on 645, 645 miles. You need about you need 651, average 651 pace to do a, a sub three. About halfway, <laughs> you know, that's when I start slowing down, which is my normal race, about halfway. <laughs> And then by mile 20 is when I usually hit a wall. And I hit a wall at the marathon at Myrtle Beach, but it wasn't as bad as normal. But uh, I remember coming across the finish line and I finished in three hours and 17 seconds. So I missed it by 17 seconds. That's brutal. It was tough. It was tough. But the, my, uh, the one thing I could say that was, um, you know what, I learned, I did learn a lot from that race. You know, I learned uh, pacing. Um, I did learn, you know, fueling was important. Um, you know, picking the right course is actually important as well. Uh, cause it was a flat one, but, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to give up. So three hours, 17 seconds, I was like, Oh, so close. You know, I, I really didn't want to give up. And then I, I ran Boston that year and Boston, that was 2013 it was the year of the bombing. So there was, you know, obviously that, that, kind of um, took the wind out of everybody's sails after the race. But then 2014 rolled around and I still hadn't broken three hours. So I had set my sight on um, breaking three hours at Boston 2014. And I had a great training run. I had no injuries. I felt great. Um, I followed that same Hal Higdon training plan and everything was going great that day. 2014 was another like perfect weather year. Um, that was the year Meb won. The American Meb, he won, and uh, you know it was the comeback year from the bombing. But I, I, it was the same thing. I started out great. Boston's a very tough course. It's not a flat one, you know. Um, it's it's almost all hills the entire way. You're going 16 miles downhill, then you go uphill for five miles, and the next, the next four miles or so, four or five miles are all downhill again. So I, um, Again, I, I was running. I was clicking off miles, 6.45 pace again, every single mile, like clockwork. They have this one section 
called Wellesley College. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with Wellesley. I've it. heard about the Scream Tunnel and all of that, right? Scream Tunnel. Scream Tunnel. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a, it's a women's college. So what the girls do is they actually all come out with their signs and they'll have signs basically on from where they are, whether they're in the United States or worldwide. And, you know, they'll also there's a website where you can go and they'll make signs for you. So like if if you want to say, hey, you know, good luck, Raj, they would you can go on a website and they'll create a sign for you. So you kind of look for your sign. But you also, you know, it's, it's a fun part of the course. A lot of the, a lot of the girls are out there and you run by and they're all giving kisses and things like that. Who knows what will happen in the age of uh, COVID. But, um, you, you know, it, it slows you down a little bit because I remember I was about 10 seconds slower on that mile split than the rest because I was enjoying myself. I was out there having fun with all the girls, high five and everybody. And I was 10 seconds slower. And I remember going back. I, I, I look at that because when I finished the race. Again, I was coming around. I was slowly dying on that second half of the course. And I finished the race in three hours and eight seconds. So I was a little bit closer, but I still missed it. I missed it by eight seconds. And those 10 seconds that I uh, goofed around at Wellesley College, I think is what actually cost me. <laughs> that would have been, I, I would have beat, I would have beaten it by two seconds. Um, so that, that was 2014 though. And uh, I just know when I came across the finish line, that was a PR for me, but I didn't hit my goal. I didn't know whether I should laugh or I should cry. Like it was like a weird emotional state that I was in after crossing the finish line. Cause it was so close. Eight seconds is so close. And, uh, it's weird. You know, once you've done that and you've been so close and you tell people about it, there's a lot of people that have had, had the same experience. Some hit three hours on the nose and, you know, they didn't, you know, it's, it's hard to explain. Yeah, you don't three, have that. Three hours is back. not sub three, unfortunately. It is not. No. And it's like you don't have that extra second to push yourself in those last couple miles. And um, I actually thought actually after 2014, I had gotten married in 2015 or I had got married 2013, but had a baby in 2015. And I thought I'm probably just not going to be able to ever do it again just because I had a new baby. It it was a lot of time. Um, you know, running kind of took a back seat to, to what else was going on in the, in the world. I had two teen, teenage daughters and I had a, a newborn as well. So it was like just life in general kind of took over and running wasn't as important. But then actually in 2016 is when I started the Boston Buddies Group. I had qualified for Boston again. Um, I wasn't close to breaking three at all anymore. Um, I was running like in the 320s most of the time. Three, I'd get sub 320 every once in a while, but I was I was mainly running in the 320s. Is that because uh, you had to reduce your training load and uh, you couldn't really train in a very structured way? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I was I just I just didn't have the time, you know. Training training for you know uh, Boston and being able to train not just to run 26.2 but to run it at a specific time. Takes a, take, does take a lot of time out of Yeah, you. they are very different things. Like right now, for example, right. for the virtual, I'm just training to finish the race. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah. for Boston, I was training for a 315, uh, but I have no such ambition because obviously I don't have enough mileage in the last few months to begin with, uh, let alone, you know, scramble for a time. So, yeah, I can absolutely understand that. I think I think you're not alone. I'm pretty much in the same boat. I'm, you know, I'm just going to take it as a, it's a nice long run. Go and enjoy it. Go enjoy the go, go enjoy hanging out with my friends and you know just go have fun and and uh, collect the medal. 
and say that we were part of history. But it's uh, yeah. But tr- I'm like training right now is is uh, you know I'll run five six miles uh, on the weekends. I might hit ten, but I know that that's enough for me to like at least finish a marathon. I'm not going to there's I'm not going to break three hours on this virtual marathon. I'd be happy to break four hours at this point. <laughs> Yeah, same something similar here. I mean, like I, I just want to make sure I don't completely, you know, fade away in the second half. So I'm simply trying to get some miles in and slowly build up to maybe 16, 18 miles sometime in a couple yeah. of weeks or two, three times in August, and then uh, you know taper off, and that's pretty much it. Uh, plus, you know, time of the year in Mumbai, it's going to be pretty warm and humid anyway. So it, this is not the time to try anything, you know, too ambitious, frankly. That's true. Yeah, summer. I'm not a summertime runner. I'm used to training for Boston in the wintertime. I love when I, it could be zero degrees out and I'll go out. I don't mind training in the winter, but in the summertime, I'm a puddle. When I when I go out there, I just I I, I fall apart. So yeah, it's it's a little different. That's why it's it's historic. You know what? We, we're we're doing something. We're we're gonna get that medal. And we'll we're gonna be uh, you know, a few only a few, you know, percentage of the people in the world can say that they've done this and we'll have that bond, me and you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. uh, So I kind of interrupted uh, that uh, point from 2015, 16, when you were talking about you were running in the three twenties and, and then, so how did, how did that transform in the next uh, two to three years to a uh, sub three last year? Sure. Sure. So, so uh, 2016 really was when I, um, in November, 2016, I, I was run, I was going to run Boston, and I was just looking for other people that were going to run it. So I I jumped onto the Boston Boston Marathon's official Facebook page, and actually commented on a on a post saying, "Hey, is anybody out there training? Would like to you know train virtually with me and, and you know try and motivate each other." And I had three other people right away that that um, said, "Yeah, sure, you know I'd love to do it." Uh, it was Rob Freed, it was Ron Joseph, and Dwayne Watts. And um, that that day, immediately, I just created a group called it Boston Marathon Training, and the four of us joined it, and we just started inviting, you know, a few of our friends that were training for it, and uh, that's really what started the Boston Buddies um, Facebook group was that that day, just a, a simple comment on the Boston Marathon page, and <clears throat> we had about 2017, we ran it, had about 300 members on the page, and. It really, it really helped. It helped having people that specifically were training for Boston uh, to be able to talk to these people because we had people from from really all over the world. We had people from Australia, people from Europe, uh, people from India, people from all over the United States, Canada, uh, South America, pretty much everywhere. Um, it wasn't a big group, but it was it was a group of serious runners. Uh, Ron Joseph was one of the, like I said, one of the first members on there. And within a day, he had posted like a 20 mile run and he had been running it, you know, around a seven minute pace, seven minutes per mile, uh, <laughs> which was really fast. I never saw, I never saw anybody post like that in any other group that, like that they ran such a fast race. You know, it's kind of like the, the fast runners kind of usually are, are pretty um, humble. Um, but this was the group for where like the people that qualified for Boston could actually like post about it and motivate each other. And I remember seeing that and that really that really lit a spark in me to try and actually start doing better with my running. Cause like I had said, I had, I had been in a lull uh, just because of everything that was going on. So that kind of just, um, it helped, it helped with motivating me. And uh, so the 2017 rolled around 
Um, I think I ran like a 326 or 327 or something like that in Boston. Um, 2018 rolled around. That was the crazy year with all of the, the weather. We had a monsoon basically during the Boston Marathon. Uh, did you run it that year? It was 2018? No, no, no. I, have, I have not run at all, right? I mean, the, my first uh, one okay. was supposed to be April this year. But I remember okay. watching it in the Olympic Channel, uh, streaming it here in India. And uh, yeah, that uh, it looked scary even, even on a screen. Uh, and also because <laughs> the weather was so bad, uh, I don't know whether you remember, the, uh, the transmission was getting cut off in patches. Uh, I initially yep. thought there was something wrong with the you know, Wi-Fi network at home. But as it turned out, it, is, it was a problem with the transmission itself. But in, in a small patches, a few seconds here or there, it was yep. getting uh, cut off. Uh, yeah. So I was watching that and following the Let's Run page, which was great fun, uh, you know, following both uh, simultaneously. And, uh, <laughs> Much more fun if you weren't running it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't. So, yeah. Yeah, they had um, the temperature, I guess it was probably about, uh, Celsius. It was about one or two degrees at the start of the uh, of the race. But we had, um, I, I don't know what it would convert to in, in kilometers, but it was about a 20 mile per hour headwind. And yeah, about that's two like inches. close to 32 kilometer wind speed. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty bad. And there was wind gusts up to like 40, 50 miles an hour. <laughs> Um, and then we had about two inches of rainfall while we were running. So it was it was a crazy day. But it was another one of those historic Bostons where you could, where everybody that ran it could sit there and they've got their story about what happened to them that day. They had a lot of people. A lot of people got um, hypothermia that day or had to get pulled off the course. Uh, but the people that finished, you know, it's almost like a badge of honor. We can sit there and say, hey, we finished. We we went through this race together. And, and uh, you know, we'll always have those stories. That's that's part of the reason why I wrote that book. The, the Boston Buddies book is a hundred different runners that sent me their stories from that day about not, it really wasn't so much about that day, but it was a lot about the journey to get there to that day and how the weather wasn't, the weather was like the easiest part of their journey to run the marathon. We had a lot of people that, you know, that survived cancer. Uh, we had one woman, she was, she was hit by a truck on a training run was in a coma, was told she'd never run again. And that was only two years prior. And she, she ended up running the marathon that day. She did really well. Lori Riggles, it was just an amazing story. So that's, that's kind of like, um, like when you, the part of the, part of the, the lure of this group is the people that run Boston. So many of them have such interesting stories about what, they did to get to Boston, what they had to get through. And, you know, it's one of the things we say is never, ever give up. You're going to face so many challenges in life. You're going to have people die. You're going to get some disease or sickness or some injury that's going to get in your way. There's always going to be people that are going to be naysayers to try and get in your way as well. And all of these people that run Boston are people that have the mental, the mental attitude of never give up. And they've got a goal and they just focus on it and block out all the noise and figure out a way to get this job done. And it's, it's so, so did you get the idea for the book uh, post the race uh, or were you, was this already in the works uh, when you no, went after to the race? It was after the race, after the race, people started posting their stories on our page saying like how, like what happened to them on the way. And we, um, I said, you know what, why don't you guys just start sending me your stories and I'll put them together in a book. And everybody, like a lot of people agreed. 
And um, it really is. It's it's a hundred short stories. You know, each story is maybe a page or two. It's a real easy read. Um, it's one of those things where you could pick up, read a couple of stories and put down and come back to it. And it just it's 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 very inspirational. Um, you'll just see we've we've even got some of the big names in there. Dave McGilvray. He was he was gracious enough. He's the Boston Marathon race director. He let me interview him for the book. And he told me everything that they had to do to plan for this. You know, there's there's only so much they can do. You know, a lot of it is is self accountability. Um, as a race director, so many things can go wrong, especially on a day where the the weather was so bad. You don't know if you're going to overwhelm like the 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 medical personnel that are there. You know, it's all just kind of not potluck. You got to be prepared, but people still got to take care of themselves and be smart. You know, if, if you're if if the weather's not right, you know, walk off the course. If there's something that like you don't feel good or you can't feel your hands, things like that, you know, seek medical attention. So they just kept pushing people to be accountable for themselves. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, um, they actually did a they did a really good job considering the circumstances. And they didn't have that many more people like seeking medical attention than than any than any other race, believe it or not. It actually wasn't as bad as uh, they had predicted. The weather was worse. But the actual the athletes did a great job of preparing and actually like being able to, to, to in, cope. In, with fact, in fact, one of the statistics that I distinctly remember and which is in a way quite incredible is that the recreational runners actually a lower percentage dropped out compared to the elites. Uh, admittedly, elites have other considerations as well. I mean, they need to look after themselves for another race and things like that. But as a standalone statistic, that is pretty interesting, actually. Oh yeah, about half the elites dropped out. Not yeah. half of them. Yeah. yeah. But then again, yeah, they don't want to get injured. They've got the next. They've got another race to train. I mean, for. I'm I'm not trying to take a knock on the elites as much as to just highlight the resilience of the recreational runners there. So, uh, and it was by no stretch of imagination an easy day. I mean, it was probably the textbook definition of everything that could go wrong, or at least in terms of weather on a, on a marathon <laughs> day, that could that went wrong, right? I mean, so yeah. That yeah. is true. So. But that that was 2018. And I actually, I actually ran a minute faster that year than the year before. So <laughs> I don't know how I did it. But yeah, I was able to get a faster time. But I still wasn't there. I was, still wasn't breaking, breaking three hours. So that was 2018. So 2019 was going to be the year. That was the year I was going to come back and try and, and break three. And again, I hadn't hired a coach yet. I was training on my own. I switched to the Hanson's plan rather than Hal Higdon's. Hanson's is a little more, a uh, little more mileage, a little more uh, uh, stressful during the week. Put it that way. So I more... have trained for all my marathons uh, uh, using uh, Hanson's. Uh, actually, just as I we are speaking, I'm looking, looking here to see where did I keep the book. Uh, so anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, so I just bought it off Amazon here, and uh, I wanted a structured plan for my first marathon. And uh, I, I just love that plan. I mean, and, and the best part is telling all your friends that the longest you have run is 16 miles. And then they, you know, first they don't believe you. They think you are pulling your leg, pulling their leg. But uh, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. you followed Hanson's in uh, 2019. Yeah. Okay. 2019, I switched over to Hanson's. Yes. And um, like you said, it, it's, it's not, yeah, you don't have to run long. You don't have a 20 miler or a 22 miler to run. It's 16. But those workouts during the week are tough. You know, they have you, they have you do the, uh, the the threshold workouts and things like that. And it's like you're running, you're still running a lot of miles because you're doing like eight, nine miles or so 
near the end, like a couple times a week. And um, it, it beats you up, you know. Uh, but it was it was another one of those instances where I, I needed to learn how to how to um, to run a race. And again, that course uh, I, that was 2019 was the ninth time that I ran it. And I still went out too fast and I still crashed and burned at the end. I ended up running a 308 um, in 2019 at Boston. So then I was like, all right, I'm not I'm not doing well on my own. So I actually ended up uh, reaching out to a, uh, a, a woman that I run with who is a coach. Her name's Karen Dunn. She's actually on our page, Boston Buddies. And I was just like, you need to you need to, to tell me what I'm doing wrong. And I was just like, let just uh, you mold me. I will do whatever you tell me to do. And she switched up my my training plan um, a lot. Actually, she started having me run the, the longer runs at marathon pace for about half of the miles, which I had never done before. None of the other plans teach you to run at marathon pace, or at least the ones I had been following didn't teach me to run at marathon pace um, during the long runs. And she had me running them at like a 630 pace because, you know, I wanted to break three. So she would have me run 20 miles or 18 miles. And, you know, for 10 of those or nine of those miles, I'd be running at a 630 pace. And then she'd have me um, doing threshold workouts or threshold is where you try and um, it's basically like your 10K pace, try and run 10K pace for an hour. Um, she had me doing those um, and she really had me focus on nutrition. Every time I would do my long run, she would say, practice race day nutrition on your long run. And what she had me do was she'd have me carry either a bottle of water, a bottle of Gatorade. Every mile, I would take a sip. And every three miles, she'd tell me to, to uh, take, on, take in 100 calories. So I'd carry, with, I'd carry goo packs with me. And, you know, I, I actually felt a big difference. At the end of those long runs, I didn't feel as tired as I normally did. Um, I had the energy. I, I felt I could go, go more on some of those runs. And I think that made a big difference because um, – that it was only from uh, April of 2019, and I ran Dublin in October of 2019. So that's six months. She was able to actually get me finally to break that three-hour barrier. I ran a two-hour or two hours, 58 minutes, 19 seconds. And Dublin's actually a pretty hilly course. It's not an, it's not a flat one. It was actually a pretty hilly course. Um, so I I was extremely grateful for her. Like I couldn't have done it. I could not have broken three hours without her. So I, I highly recommend finding a coach if you can, if you can afford it um, to help get you over, get you to your goal. Um, because the coach made a difference. She really took the time to, to look at my previous marathons, to look at how I was training. And she was like, here, you need to do this, this, and this. And she only had me focus on a couple of things. And those couple of things made that made all the difference in the world. Okay. So well done. Congratulations. And uh, after that, did you run any other marathon uh, after Dublin? I ran the Atlanta Marathon uh, on March oh, yeah. 1st. Yeah. Yeah. That was the Olympic uh, trials as well, right? Qualifying trials as well. That, that's correct. The day before the, Olymp or the Atlanta Marathon, they did the Olympic uh, qualifying, the U.S. Olympic qualifying marathon. So all the people that had um, run a qualifying standard could run that day. Actually, my coach, Karen, she she had qualified. She had run a 244 or 243, I think, in uh, Chicago the year before. So she had qualified. So she was running. I went there to watch her. And then the next day I ran the the marathon. It was more of a it was going to be just a practice run for um, Boston. Oh, Boston. Yeah, yeah. Sure. At that time, Boston was still going on. Atlanta, 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Atlanta, but Atlanta's very no, hilly. No, I have never been. <laughs> it seemed like every everywhere we ran was up, and we never went down. <laughs> but um, it was it was a, it was a very good you know training run. I ran a three thirteen. You know, I just kind of wanted to take it easy and just prepare for Boston because Boston again, I was going to try and do a sub three. Um, but then obviously two weeks later, the whole the whole world shut down, and they they you know they postponed Boston. And I kind of just lost, I, I kind of like lost the motivation to keep, you know, training hard. So now I'm doing, like I said, just kind of easy running, just making sure that I'm going to be able to, to, uh, to finish this, this uh, Boston virtual marathon. Okay. So Vince, uh, just uh, moving on, you know, I know that uh, you have interviewed and you continue to interview a lot of great athletes and runners, right? So what can you tell listeners uh, some some of the common habits or methods that you have gleaned from these uh, runners, uh, especially also on the mental side of things? Uh, I, I know it's a little bit of an open-ended question, but uh, sure. whatever you can say, you know, share some anecdotes, uh, you know, whatever comes top of mind. Yeah, I've been very lucky to actually um, be able to, to do some interviews with a lot of the, the, the Boston greats. Uh, Billy Rogers is one of the guys. He's a four-time winner. Um, Jeff Smith agreed to an interview. Catherine Switzer, Bobby Gibb, first the first two women that had run Boston. Um, you know, I've been real, real lucky, and um, I, I will always say this: runners are a little bit different than the athletes, professional athletes in other sports. They are all so very gracious. They're all very humble, um, and they're they're more than willing to talk about running, talk about their experience, and a lot of them actually want to talk about like you or they'll ask you how your running is doing. You know, it's, it's generally a, a sport where they're, you know, they're kind of the, they are the professionals, but they seem to be, they all seem to be great ambassadors of the sport. Um, very welcoming. I've met a lot of them in person and they're, they've all just been so gracious and so nice to me and, and just everybody around them. Um, I guess as far as what, what have I learned from them? Um, I, I think that a lot of them just show mental toughness. A lot of running is, is the mental side of running. It's not necessarily physical. I Like I said, I was not an athlete growing up. I'm not the most athletic person in the world. Um, I think a lot of it is just mental toughness and being able to just, you know, it, just put your head down and kind of just fight through it, fight through the demons going on in your head, fight through the pain that's going through your body. And, um, you know, it, that's that's your body it, it is, is growing every time you feel that pain. Um, you got You got to be able to you got to be willing to suffer if you want to if you want to do great things in life. So a lot of these people suffered through a lot of things. You know, they they trained hard. These guys back in the 80s, you hear the stories that they're talking about. They didn't run one or two marathons a year like they like the professionals do today. They were running every single weekend and they were running at that high performance level. They were running like two tens, two twelves every week. Um, you know, you'd talk to Jeff Smith and he would be saying his, his 20 mile runs, he would run them at a faster pace, um, than his, his marathon pace. And he's, he's a, you know, a 208 marathoner. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it's like, they, they were out there and they just enjoyed the sport. They just ran and just loved it. And they ran every weekend. There was no money. Like there wasn't the money that they have in it, in the sport. Now they did it simply for the enjoyment of the sport. And, you know, they they really are the ones that set the standards for everybody else coming behind. And uh, they made the sport. So, yeah, I'd I'd say the mental toughness aspect of it is is probably the the most important thing. Get up every day. 
you know, we all don't want to run. You don't want to get out of bed. You know what I mean? And uh, these are the, it takes, it takes that type of mental attitude to, to be a success, you know, just, you know, the, the practice, practice makes perfect as they say. Okay, thanks for that. So, Vince, as I said, uh, you know, we do a small quiz uh, in the uh, in this <laughs> in this podcast just as a fun segment. So, if you are if you are ready, we can roll with that. Sure. Before we start the quiz, I want to let listeners know that all the resources being discussed here are included in the show notes. So, do refer to those uh, links for further information. I also request all of you who are listening to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. Now to the quiz. Okay, so since we have spoken so much about the Boston Marathon, let's start with the uh, with a Boston Marathon question. Uh, do you remember the finishing time of the winner of the first Boston Marathon? Yes, the finishing time, which I feel like I could I could actually compete if I actually ran it back in uh, 1897. <laughs> um, uh, it was 2:55. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. Okay, this is a little bit of a trivia question. There is a commonly used gym equipment which actually has its origin in the church, uh, or more specifically in the church bells. Uh, so, can you tell me what this is? Uh, I think this is what the uh, a lot of the CrossFit people use is the kettlebell, which the kettlebell is uh, something that they used to. Kettlebell, you mean? Yeah, the kettlebell. Or, or yeah. Kettlebell, yes. The the guys that used to ring the bells would use it to train. Yes, uh, that's in church yeah, in churches. <laughs> yeah, the strongmen used to train using that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a question on uh, uh, a spice. Do you know which country produces the largest amount of vanilla? Vanilla? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess. I'm going to take a wild guess here and go India. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, actually, India is not even in the anywhere in the top. <laughs> it's actually Madagascar and then followed by Indonesia, actually. So Madagascar okay. produces, I think, roughly close to 50% of the world's, uh, uh, the world's produce. Okay, a book question. Uh, Twin Tracks is the autobiography of which famous runner? That would be the first sub four minute miler, Roger Bannister. Yes, that's true. And the last question, uh, this is a shoe company, a very famous shoe company. The name is actually the Latin abbreviation, which translates to healthy soul in a healthy body. Which company is this? Healthy soul in a healthy body. I like that's, that. That's, that's the English translation of the Latin phrase, which they have abbreviated to, to be the name of the company. Hmm. Tough one. I don't, I, I, I would guess Nike, but that's the most famous shoe company out there. But I don't know that. I don't know what that means actually. <laughs> no, it's not Nike. It's Asics. Uh, so it's an abbreviation for, and I'm sure I'm going to murder the pronunciation, but it basically stands for anima sana incorpore sano. That's the Latin phrase for healthy soul in a healthy body. Awesome. I did not know that. Learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what ASICS is for. So uh, before we let you go, Vince, uh, can you give listeners some recommendations of some books or blogs or podcasts, sure. YouTube channels that you love and you would like to recommend? Sure. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're looking to actually learn more about Boston and the history of the Boston Marathon, uh, there is a there's a book. It's just called Boston Marathon, and it's um, 
It's by Tom Derdarian. It's the year by year stories of uh, of the Boston Marathon. It's it's literally the Bible of Boston. Um, it has every single year. It has a story about every single winner from every year. Uh, up, I think it's it goes all the way up until about 2015, 2016. Now he 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 creates new versions every few years to kind of catch up with the latest version uh, or the latest winners. But that book, if you're looking to learn about Boston and the history of it and what makes it so great, that's a it's a great book. Um, another one that's it's a good book is um, Bart Yasso's book. Bart Yasso was um, the longtime chief running officer for Runner's World. He actually lives not far from me. He's a really nice guy. Um, he's known as the mayor of running. And he has yeah. a book called My, My Life on the Run, um, The Wit, Wisdom, and Insights of, of Road Racing. Um, and it's just, it's just a great book. And it's, more, it's not a training book or anything like that. It's more just the stories of the experiences that he has had as the chief running officer from Runner's World. You know, he's been... 40 years, 40 years of running. He's done all sorts of crazy races. There's really, there's a really great story about a, uh, a 10 K race that he had to do. And he had to actually, uh, pull a, a burrow burrows, like a, a, a mule. And, you know, the saying stubborn as a mule, you're supposed to basically get this 10, this, this, this mule across 10, uh, across the finish line of a 10 K. So he talks about how you basically got to like sweet talk the sweet talk the burrow and, and, you know, you know, whisper in its ear and pet it and stuff like that. And it's just it's a great story. But he's got all sorts of stories like that in the book that are just it's just it's just fun. And um, you know what? It's our sport is there to have fun. And that book, you know, if you read it, you'll you'll realize, you know what? Life isn't as so serious. And there's a lot of good people in this world. And you can just go out there and go out and enjoy it and go find these experiences yourself. He really he really promotes like running healthy lifestyle and just having fun with your running. It's a great yes, book. Oh, I, I have actually listened to a lot of his interviews and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, in podcasts, uh, mainly a few, uh, a few online as well, uh, especially around the time when he retired from runner's world, which was, I think in late yeah. 2018. Uh, and yeah. of course he's quite famous for the Yasso 800s, which pretty much most marathoners would be familiar with, even if they don't use it necessarily. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Anything else, uh, Vince, anything else comes to mind? Nope. I, I, uh, as far as books, like for training books, like I said, Hal Higdon is, is a good plan to follow. And so is Hanson's. They're both very good. Um, I, uh, we again, actually had Lou Humphrey on a, on an earlier show. So we interviewed Lou Humphrey. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's yeah. one of the creators, one of the creators of the Hanson's plan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just it. Um, uh, but again, I, I, I do highly recommend getting a coach because again, the books are kind of a little bit more generic, but if you if you can if you can get a coach and get somebody that actually will talk with you, make sure that they talk with you after every run, find out how you're feeling, what how you how if you're injured or not. Um, they can talk to you about nutrition and other things. I highly recommend getting a coach, even if it's just for one training session or one training cycle. You'll learn so much just from that. Okay. Uh, and if uh, if people want to get in touch with you, Vince, what's the best way to contact you? Um, sure. You can find me, you can email me. It's just Vince at Boston buddies, run club.com, or yeah. you can feel free to join our, um, join our Facebook group. You know, there's about 11,000 members right now. It's just, if you go to Facebook and do a search for Boston marathon training, you'll see us it's Boston marathon training. I can't tell you what the cover photo is going to be because we change it every day 
So if you join the group, you could become the cover photo. Every day we change it to a different runner. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just no, look anyway, up. I will be including all of this in the show notes so people can uh, people can easily find it. Uh, so all of this, including the book recommendations, uh, will be there in the show notes. So I will include your contact notes. Obviously, the Boston Buddies. Facebook page link as well. In fact, one of the earlier episodes I had interviewed Brenda Hodge and she had also recommended it. So it's already out there in one of the earlier show notes, but I will include it in this one as well. So thank you so much for taking the time, Vince. I know it's early morning for you and you have to get to work. Really appreciate it. And thanks for everything you are doing for us runners and the running community. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good luck in the Boston virtual, and hopefully I get to meet you in person in 2021 at Boston. Please, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh, COVID-19 permitting, I guess. Yes, or I'll come see you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> all right, thank you. Thank you very much to all the listeners. As I mentioned, all the resources discussed here are included in the show notes, so do refer to those links for further information. You can reach out to me on my social media handles, which are Running and Fitness with Raj on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me on runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. Stay safe, stay healthy. Until the next show, goodbye.